And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? It's my birthday, so the older I get, the harder it is to ride a bike. You remember what it was like to learn how to ride a bike for the first time? I feel like I'm doing it right now all over again. (laughs) I remember what kind of challenge it was. I remember the biggest fear that I had was losing control. You know, there's something about riding a bike that when you're first learning as a kid, you're kind of pedaling. It's this feeling of losing control. And I discovered that the key to riding a bike is to keep pedaling, right? Because when you stop pedaling, you begin to lose momentum. And when you lose momentum, you lose balance. And when I think about our life, I think about our spiritual life, I think it's a lot like riding a bicycle. You know, I heard somebody say once that fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And when you think about your spiritual journey, when you think about your life, when you think about following the Lord, I think of riding a bike, I think about the importance of continuing to to pedal, continuing to move, because in life, when we stop pedaling, spiritually, when we're following the Lord, we stop pedaling, we start to lose our balance, things get a little bit of shaky, and we get out of control. You know, we've been in a series called This Is Us, where we've been taking a look at our vision and our values as a church, I'm out, of, I'm out of breath and I was just doing a couple laps. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm trying to mask the fact that I'm trying to catch my breath up here. But we've been in this series called This Is Us where we've been taking a look at our vision and our values as a church. And we began to unpack that. We've, we've shared a few values at this point. There's seven in total. And today I want to talk about a value that that not only do we need to have this as a value of our church, but I think that we need this as a value in our own lives. I wanna talk to you about the value of growth. And our value statement is that we're going to allow God to change us because growing things change. We're gonna allow God to change us because growing things change. If you got your Bible or smartphone with you today, grab that. We're going to make our way to Hebrews chapter 5. But before we do, I want us to ask the Lord's blessing over our time together so you can repeat this prayer with me today. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Hebrews chapter 5, as we're going to look there here in just a second, have you ever had a situation or an experience in your life where um, somebody gave you a huge compliment saying you did really well, that was a great job, but you know deep down you didn't do so hot? You know, they were kind of just making this, this, this statement congratulating you, encouraging you to make you feel better. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a situation or a moment like that. Well, this is not one of those In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer, which a lot of scholars believe to be the Apostle Paul, um, he's kind of getting up in the the world of these Christians 
um, here in the Bible. And this, this community of believers had gotten to a point where they had begun to fall back into their old ways. They'd begin to pull back from following after God in order to avoid persecution in their lives. And so Paul kind of steps in and he kind of sees a, a moment where he needs to lead a little heavy. And he says this in verse 11. He says that there is much more that we would like to say about this. That reminds me of as a kid with my parents, right? Um, there's a lot more that we'd like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain. And then he says, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. What a lead in, right? I don't know if Paul read uh, that book back then by uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, it doesn't sound like he read it that day when he made the statement, but but for Paul, he felt like that it was a moment, a defining moment in their lives that he could not afford to mince words. He had seen these believers and seen their walk with the Lord and how it had, had plateaued. He's recognized that it, at one point in their life, God was at the center of everything that they did, that they were, that they were growing spiritually. But now, now they've pulled back. They've pulled back in order to avoid difficulty in their life. I think it's a moment that Paul is recognizing in their lives that, that they've quit peddling spiritually, that they've started to kind of coast their way. And he tells them this in verse 12. He says that, that you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. In other words, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you remember ESPN many years ago, but they had this segment, and it was called, Come On, Man. I don't know if you remember that. And every time somebody would do something just kind of stupid or kind of spacey, um, they'd be like, Come On, Man. And I think that this is one of those Come On, Mans for, for the New Testament church that Paul's trying to get to them. He's like, he's like listen, it's been 30 years since the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. And for 30 years, you've been hearing about God. For 30 years, you've heard the truth of his word. And by now, you should be teaching other people. Like by now, the way that you live your life should be a life that's investing in other people. But instead, he says that, that you need someone to teach you all over again the basic things about God's word. And then, and then he makes a statement, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it because it's a bit offensive, and when you think about our culture today being that whole cancel culture, some of you are gonna be tempted to just X Paul out right here in the moment, but, but I want you to think about this for just a second before we read it, that one of the greatest symbols of love is discipline. One of the greatest symbols of love is discipline. I mean, think about that as a parent. If you have kids, the reason why you discipline your kids is because you love them and you want them to, to live at a potential that's higher than where they're at. The whole reason why you slap your kids' hands because they're reaching up on a hot stove is because you see a danger ahead that they don't see themselves. We see in Proverbs that, that Solomon writes that the Lord disciplines those that he loves. Like, like we tend to resist discipline and we don't want discipline. But the reality is, is that one of the greatest symbols of love is discipline. 
And so Paul tells these Christians who have quit peddling in their spiritual life, he tells them this, that you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. You know, it kind of reminds me of our daughter, our youngest daughter, Journey. And Journey is uh, 14 now, getting ready to, to start studying. She turns 15 in December, so she'll begin to start studying for her learner's permit. And she was the last of the grandchildren for my mother and father-in-law. And she was treated like the last of the grandchildren from my mother and father-in-law. And one of the things that was kind of, kind of cute at the beginning was that my father-in-law would, when Journey was a baby, would put her on his lap and would feed her. And then as Journey began to get older, um, that never changed. And so then Journey would be a couple years old, four years old, and we'd go out to a restaurant and she'd be on Papa's lap and Papa would be feeding her. Now there's something really cute about a grandfather feeding their grandchild when they're two years old. But there's something really weird about a grandfather with their grandchild on their lap feeding them when they're 10 years old. And there came a moment that we had to tell the two of them, you guys gotta stop. Like, Journey is old enough that she can eat and feed herself. And I think sometimes in our lives as we quit peddling spiritually, that we get stuck, we get plateaued in, in this place in our life to where I think what Paul is challenging this church and I think what the challenge is for all of us is that, that we've got to grow in our relationship with the Lord. That God doesn't want us to be those Christians that 20 or 30 years later after the point that we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, that the depth of our life spiritually is not much deeper than it was 20 years prior. And for us as a church and for us as people, there needs to be a value that we place on spiritual growth in our lives. Today, I wanna, I wanna kinda, I wanna share these six steps, it's kind of a process to, to growth in our life. And I think that these six steps will, will help clarify where you are in your journey, will help us better identify maybe um, some areas of our life that God might be wanting to change in order for us to be able to grow. And then I wanna end by giving you just a couple practical uh, tools or tips to help you to be able to do that. And so, the first one is this, if you're taking notes, is that healthy things grow. The first step in the process for us to understand is that healthy things, they grow. Anything that we look at in life, it could be kids, it could be uh, plants, whatever it is, that if it's healthy, that it's growing. And one of the ways that we can take our temperature, our spiritual life temperature, and to evaluate whether or not we are growing spiritually is to ask ourselves a few questions. Like one question would be, do I feel like my relationship with God is better now than it was 12 months ago? Do I feel like I'm closer to God now than I was 12 months ago? 
Another question that you can ask yourself this morning is, do I feel more prepared for difficult seasons that I'm going to face in life now than I did 12 months ago? Or what about this one? Do I feel like I'm more in alignment with God's purpose for my life now than I was 12 months ago? You see, these questions, they're not easy questions for us to ask, but they're necessary ones to help us to be able to determine whether or not we are healthy spiritually right now. And so we see that healthy things grow, but the next step in that process is that growing things then change. So if healthy things grow, growing things change. And growing things change has a word in that process that most of us hate and resist, and that's the word change. Like most of us would be happy with things just staying the way they are, right? Like the idea is don't, don't rock the boat. Uh, things are, 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 are good enough as they are. But listen, if that was the case, you and I would have showed up to church today with our horse and buggy, right? We'd have been sitting in our wood-carved um, pews instead of padded seats, and we would be uh, in, in the heat rather than in air conditioning. Like, change has happened in our life, and we are beneficiaries of, of that change, and the same thing applies in our spiritual lives, that all growing things require change to happen. In fact, in fact, when we get comfortable with the status quo, when we begin to get comfortable with the way things have always been, and that's, that's for us as a church, that's for us in our own individual lives, that is a sign that we've quit growing. It's a sign that we've quit growing when we get comfortable with the way things have always been. And so ask yourself this question this morning, what, what might God be wanting me to change in my life right now in order to start growing. And here's the, here's the interesting thing about that question is for some of us today, there's something that the Lord is wanting us to eliminate or to remove in our life, that the change is something that he's wanting to take out in order for us to begin growing in our relationship with him. But for some of you, it's not about what you need to remove from your life, but it's what you need to add to your life. And oftentimes, that's the, that's the part of the question that's the most challenging because we, we fail to recognize that, that God is trying to move us. He's trying to, as we're pedaling in our relationship with him, it's about momentum and moving and, and kind of the goal that God has for all of our lives is to become more and more like him. And so what might be some things that you're not doing in your life that God would have you do in order for you to become more and more like him. And so we see here in this process that healthy things grow and that growing things change. The next step in the process is that change brings challenge. If we're gonna choose to allow our lives and, and God to do some change in us, it means that we're going to experience some challenges in our life. We're going to experience some seasons in our life that are unpredictable. And the truth is, is that most of us, we want to, we want to walk the life or the path of least resistance. 
And change and the challenge that it brings, the problem with that is it, it causes us to have to be able to make adjustments in our life, to, to have to take some risk in our life. And for many, we're unwilling to lean into those challenging seasons. And so what happens in our life is we stall spiritually. You know, I think about challenge and I think about the season that we've all been navigating with with COVID, and one of the things that I've recognized, just as as a pastor, who who my responsibility is to help encourage you along this transformation process in your life, so that we're all on a journey together to become more and more like Christ. But one of the things that I've recognized, not just in my own life, but in the body of Christ, especially in America, is that we're not as prepared for challenge as we think we are. Like the American church is not prepared for persecution. When you look at scripture and you look at the reality that things are gonna get harder and harder as we get closer and closer to the time that Christ comes back, and the fact that many of us have really struggled, like like we kinda, and I don't mean to step on any toes, I just wanna speak a little little bit of, of truth here, but But the reality is for us, as we look at having to wear a mask at church as persecution, and so we've decided not to come to church because somebody's telling us that we have to wear a mask, and so we resist coming to church. And for us in the American church, we've looked at that as like heavy persecution. And folks, that's nothing compared to what the Bible says that we're gonna experience in the last days. And so I think for us as followers of Christ, I think that we've got to step away and we've got to have a bigger perspective and a bigger picture and to understand this thing. And this is something that's really important to me that I discovered in my life. And it will, if you don't get this, you miss, you miss what being a follower of Christ is all about. And it's this, is that God's less interested in us being happy. He's more interested in us being fruitful. And if you look at John 15, in order for us to be fruitful, what has to happen? We got to be pruned. <laughs> we got to be pruned. And I'm not, I got, I don't have a green thumb like anything that we do in our house that, that revolves plants and trying to help them live. We kill them all. So I don't, I mean, I, we kill fake plants. That's how bad we are. But this is what I can tell you, is that if a plant is gonna be healthy, it's gonna have to experience pruning. And it's the pruning, the cutting back, that ends up preparing that plant to become more fruitful. And the truth of the matter is, for us as followers of Christ, that, that we are going to experience trials and tribulations. That we are going to experience pruning that's forced upon us and we're going to experience pruning that God has designed for us. And one of the things that I've had to learn in my life is that I've had to step back and to quit having this kind of human perspective of life that that I want to be a follower of Christ because it's going to make my life better, right? And I have to have a bigger perspective that God has a plan and a purpose for my life and it's beyond anything that I could really understand or fathom And so for me, I've got to trust in his plan for me that when I'm in seasons of challenge, when I'm facing difficulties in my life, when I'm having to go through seasons of pruning, 
that I can go through that with the right attitude and the right heart because I know that God's going to work that out for my benefit in the long run. And so in these seasons of change, it brings challenge in our life. And then, and then what challenge does is challenge then forces us to have to trust in God, right? I don't know if you've ever been through a season, a challenging season in your life. I'm sure you have because we all have. I'm sure there's some of you that find yourself in that season right now. When I look in the rearview mirror of my own life and I see the seasons that we've gone through with, with losing uh, multiple babies, with miscarriages, to, to um, losing jobs, to losing houses, like when I look at all that, I look at that as seasons where God was trying to develop my ability to trust him even when things didn't look good. And I think that the weakest form of of Christianity is one that, that, that speaks it with their mouth, but never trust God with their heart. And I think sometimes if we take a, a real step back and look at the American church, that, that oftentimes we can live our life that way, that we can get stalled in our relationship with the Lord, and, and it becomes a, a things that we vocalize and we say, but do we really trust God even in the difficult times in our lives and Jesus promises us in John 16 33 he says that here on earth that we're going to have trials and we're going to have sorrows but he says this he says take heart because I have overcome the world we're not the ones that have overcome the world he's the one that has overcome the world And so if we want to live an overcoming kind of life, then we've got to be connected to the one that has done the overcoming, right? And this is one of the reasons why in some weddings um, I've used this phrase. I've said, may God give you enough tears to keep you tender, enough hurts to keep you compassionate, enough failure to keep you humble, and just enough success to ensure that you stay dependent upon him. Friend, God is not interested as much in making us happy as he is interested in making us fruitful. And if there's one thing that I've discovered in my relationship with the Lord through the years is that God is really, really good at knowing where to apply pressure in my life to cause me to trust him more he's really good at recognizing when i've got pride in my life and he's really good at at allowing situations to disrupt my thinking of myself in order for me to recognize that it can't be done without him Think about your own journey and think about the areas of your life. I mean, we're all really quick to know the weaknesses, but we've all got areas in our life that we consider that we kind of look at them as, as, as areas that puff us up and, 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 and make us who we are. And, and God just has a way of allowing us to walk through difficulty in our life to see that those are gifts from him. 
not something that we've developed on our own. They're gifts and blessings from him, and, and he wants us to stay connected to him, trusting him. And, and I think that's why in Hebrews 11, it tells us this. It tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith. I think that's why it's important for us to understand that, that we are on this journey not to be happy. We are on this journey to be fruitful. And so God is, is, is trying to develop us into men and women that are more like him. And so he allows us to walk through challenges and difficulties in our life because it's in those seasons of difficulty that we learn to trust in him. The fifth thing that we see is that trust then leads to obedience. That trust leads to obedience. That when we fully trust that God has our best interest in mind, then it's easier for us. It's easier to do what he's asking us to do when we understand that he has our best interest at heart. And think about the areas of your life, and we've all got them, but think about the areas of your life. There's some areas that you're like this with, and you're like, God, use me. You've got this, whatever you want to do. And then if you're anything like me, you've got, you've got an area or two, or maybe more, that you're like this on, right? Like, okay, God, I give you these areas in my life, but these are the areas that, that I'm holding back to myself. And the reality is, is that's a lack of, of trust, that we can't be fully obedient in what God is calling us to do until we fully trust that he has our best interest at heart. He says in Romans chapter eight that he'll use, all the, he'll use all the good in our life and he'll use all the bad. That he'll use that for our good in the long run. That means all the mistakes, all the bad choices, all the, all the regrets that you have in your rear view mirror of your life, plus all the things that you feel like, hey, I've done good on. These are good decisions. These are things that are that of boys and that of girls in my spiritual journey. And, and God's like, I'm gonna use all of that. That if you remain connected to me and humble and have the right attitude, that I'm gonna use all of that for your good. I think of... I think of obedience as this. I think of it as the bridge between where my life is now and where God wants my life to be. And so many times what we do is we try to, we try to cross that gap by our own works, right? We try to, whether it's come to church more or serve more or say the right things, try to do the right things. We try to bridge that gap into becoming who God's called us to be by all these actions, when in reality, it's obedience that bridges the gap. Because God's gonna have us do things that we don't wanna do. He's gonna have us do things we don't understand why we're supposed to do it. One of the primary areas that was the last of me to let go of in my own life was my finances. Right? A lot of us can be like this in our life in a lot of areas, but when it comes to trusting God with our finances, we tend, you know, it's kind of like peeling the fingers off, right? It's like, it's like, um, it's almost like my dog Trixie. And when I get on the floor, which I threw my back out this week, and so I was on the floor a lot, and every time I get on the floor, she thinks it's playtime. 
And so she runs somewhere in the house and grabs a sock and comes in and is like putting the sock in my face, you know, and, and I got to try to grab the sock from her and then it becomes tug of war. And that's sometimes like there's areas in our life that we're like that with God. Like, we, I mean, we'll tug a war with it. Like, God, I know you're telling me to do this, but I don't know. And obedience becomes that bridge when we fully surrender and we say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be obedient even if I don't understand, even if it makes me uncomfortable. That I wanna experience the change in my life so that I could be growing in my life. And so I'm gonna be obedient in every area. And the beauty of of trusting God in this way and being obedient as it leads us to the sixth one, which is obedience makes us healthy. That obedience makes us healthy. And Jesus said, look at this in Luke eleven twenty eight. he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus says, blessed are those that not just hear the word of God, but they, they obey it. And one of the fascinating things about this statement is this word blessed that was used back in, we don't use it a whole lot in, in, in our days, but in those days, it was a word that, that was used to refer, it had a couple different references. That word was one referred to lowercase gods, it was also referred to people that, that had lots of money, that didn't have to, to experience the cares and the worries of the world. These are people that, that are just kind of live at a, at, a, at a whole different level, people that lived above the normal cares and the normal problems that, that normal people would experience. And, and so Jesus steps in and he ties this idea of, of living this blessed life with not just hearing the word of God, but obeying it. I mean, Jesus has promised to all of us is that if we'll hear the word and we'll obey it, that he will allow us to live at a whole nother level than what we would ever live in our lives doing it our own way. And so as we're obedient, it makes us healthy. And if you remember, we started with with, with healthy things grow, and it's this cyclical cycle of allowing these, these processes of change to happen in our life that brings us back to healthy things grow. And we continue in our relationship with God, we continue as we pedal in our spiritual journey that we continue to go through this cycle of our life. The reality of having to experience challenge, the reality of having to trust in God, to be obedient, that's not something that we do once and it goes away, but it's something that we repeatedly go through in our lives. And so I wanna give you just a couple practical things that in my life that I've had to value. I've had to place value on these things in order for me to be able to grow in my relationship with the Lord. The first one is this, I had to make church a priority. That I had to make church a priority, and this was before I became a pastor. When I got saved a month before I turned 21, when God pulled me out and rescued me from just the lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and the whole party scene and all that type stuff, I went from being all in with the world to being all in with God. 
And I looked for every opportunity I could find to, to be in church and to be involved and, and to be engaged. You know, I think, about, I think about this and just the way that our lives work. Think about, think about the last time that, that you, you chose not to come to church because you had another opportunity. Think about the last time that you chose to go fishing instead of going to church. Think about the last time that you chose to go play golf instead of going to church. Think about the last time that you chose to go shopping with the ladies instead of going to church. Like, think about that. Like, that happens periodically in our lives. But think about the last time you said no to one of those opportunities in order to go to church. I think that we have to put a higher value on the importance of coming together and worshiping together. We thank God for technology and the, the ability for people to be able to worship from home and especially in a pandemic. And if you're not comfortable coming back, this is not, this is not a statement that's connected to that. But, but online church isn't the kind of church that God has designed for us to, to be a part of. Like there is an element of, of community, of corporateness, of coming together, of, of encouraging one another. There's just something special about being in a worshipful atmosphere together in an in a auditorium like this compared to at home. Like I remember when we were in Washington and having to do church in, in, in the living room and, and all of us would be in there and maybe it's just my family, but I'm looking over at our kids and I'm having to tell them, get off your phones. Like they're, get, they're, they're surfing the web and we're watching the service and it was just different right it, it, it was helpful to have it but it was just different there's just something about coming together and when we look at our society today like pre-pandemic when they did a study a survey they they discovered that regular church attendance like those um, Amer um, Americans in, or Christians in America, when they uh, said that they were regular church attenders, they went to church once every four to six weeks. And that was considered a regular church attender. And that as being a pastor for a long time, like that's so true. Like, like when you look around, like, like this is like a fourth at best of who calls evangel their church home. Like the reality is, is that, I mean, that's kind of, that was the average of a regular church attender is I'm going to come to church once a month, maybe once every six weeks. And then you look at, at here in the midst of the pandemic and the studies show that one out of every three Christians who went to church prior to the pandemic have quit going to church altogether. One in three and I'm not talking about they've quit coming physically. I'm talking about they've quit coming physically and online. They've totally disconnected from church altogether. Friends, coming to church, being together, being encouraged by one another is an essential tool for us to, to be able to grow in our relationship with the Lord. I mean, think about this. I'm almost done, but think about this. If Jesus didn't think church was significant and an important part of our lives, he would not have called his church his bride. Jesus placed value on the church by saying, this is my bride. And in order for us to experience growth in our relationship, we have to place value on the things that Jesus places value on.
And so we've got to, we've got to make it a priority to come, to be a part of church. The second one is this, and, and um, come up for the keys as we close. The second one is this, is don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. You can't grow spiritually by living on an island all by yourself. If God didn't think that it was important for us to be together and to do life together, then he would have never created Eve. I mean, God has uniquely wired each one of us to where I can't become who God has called me to be without you in my life. And you can't become who God's called you to be without me and others in your life. That there's no way that you and I can be the people that God has designed us to be all by ourselves. The reality is, is I need you and you need me in order for us to be a happy family. (laughs) And that's why it's important. Hear me, that's why it's important that you prioritize getting your kids in kids' church. That's why it's important if you're still at home and still worshiping at home. Listen, if it's, if it's for health's sake, I get it. But we live in a society right now where fear is being pumped left and right. And don't let fear determine your ability to be able to grow in the Lord and to get your family exposed to the things of God. Again, if it's, if it's medically, if it's, that's the reason, then that's totally understandable. But I would ask you, follow the science. Follow the science. Be cautious. Here, I'm going to be your, I'm going to be a pastor for just a second. Be cautious of how much you allow things that you watch on TV to dictate the decisions that you make. All right? And listen, I'm not pushing one side or the other, but I'm telling you this, that news channels, they make more money by creating more fear and more anxiety with situations, all right? That's how they make their money. They make their money by getting us to a point to where we have to come to them for all of our information, and the more they can get everything kind of revved up, right, the more money they make. And so you've got to understand you got to understand that you got to back away from that or you're going to get played. Again, I'm not, I'm not taking a position. We've got to be safe. We've got to do the right thing. But don't forfeit your family's spiritual walk because you've allowed the voices of other people who have an agenda to promote fear in your life that keeps you from peddling in your spiritual journey. Like at some point, and here's my, at some point, at what percentage will you not be fearful? Like as a church, as a body of Christ, as Americans who the greatest persecution that we've had in a long time is being told we gotta wear a mask, like at what point, at what point does that like go away? At what point do you ever get to a place to to where you're 100% sure that you won't, nothing will ever happen in your lives in order for you to walk through the door and to be together as a corporate church again? 
Like, I don't know if we'll ever get to that place. And so why forfeit? I mean, ask yourself the question, like, are you, are you stronger now? Do you feel closer to God now? 12 months after being locked down and being on your own and not having brothers and sisters to encourage you and to come alongside of you, my guess is, is that you feel more distant from God, not closer to God. And the reason why is because God didn't design you to do life that way. He designed you to do life with other people, to f- draw encouragement and strength. Like I, I remember as a father, man, I'm going long, but I remember as a father and our kids learning how to ride a bike. And what did we do? They started with training wheels, right? And they rode so they got a little bit of confidence. And then we took the training wheels off. There might have been some of you that just pushed your kids, but I... <laughs> Oh, man. When Jeremiah was a real baby, Andrea would, like, push him over. Just When he was just learning how to walk, she would just push him over to watch him fall. <laughs> so there's some of you out there that are like that. But, but here's what I would do. I would hold the back of the seat, and I would keep up, and they would pedal, right? And they'd pedal. When they got a little shaky, I would I would, I'd put a little bit more pressure on that seat to hold them tight, and then I would let go, and I would be running next to them. And if they started to lose control, I would get there to grab the seat to bring more stability there. And it was this process of constantly getting them to a place to where they realized that the harder they pedaled, the greater fear for our, all kids to ride a bike is the harder I pedal, the less control I have. And what we fail to realize is that the harder we pedal, once we overcome the fear, the more freedom we have in our lives. And as a father, at one point I let go and they pedaled and they rode and they haven't stopped riding since. Friend, that's a a visual of what church and not doing life alone looks like that When you struggle, I'm there to encourage you. When I'm struggling, you're there to encourage me. And you can't find that on your couch all by yourself. You find that together in the body of Christ. And so make make kids' church a priority. Make youth. Guys, we had 23 last uh, Wednesday. Our youth have not met in a year. And we had 23 kids come together for just kind of an opening party. We haven't reopened yet, but we're just trying to kind of kick the tires to see where everybody's at. And 23 showing up, just craving fellowship and, and, and being together. Like that's why small groups, and we're, we're working on trying to get that. It's taken longer than I want it to, but, but the reality is, is that you know, we still got half our church worshiping from home and we're probably running 25% of our normal volunteer base. And so there's, there's a lot of dynamics trying to get that up and going again. But that's, that's a huge part. Like this men's breakfast, this, this coming Saturday. Like ladies, kick your dude out of the house. Like if, if you're giving, no, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> just kick him out of the house. <laughs> They need to be here, 8 o'clock for breakfast. If fellow, I mean, the work stuff, the work stuff's not because we're trying to get a ton done. The work stuff is creating an opportunity 
for guys because we're different than ladies. We got to do something with our hands. It's, it's just a vehicle for us to spend time together and to laugh and to enjoy fellowship and encourage one another. So this Saturday, 8 o'clock, go register. Let us know how many are coming. Um, go to evangelag.org forward slash events. You can find it there, a little shameless plug. Um, third thing, I'm, and I'm sorry it's going long, but third thing, prayer and Bible study. So making church a priority, choosing not to do life alone, and then placing a value on prayer and Bible study. Listen, it took me a long time to discover that prayer is not about me changing God's heart so that things that I want come to pass. Prayer is about me tapping into God's heart. It's about me aligning my heart to God's heart and his purposes for my life and other people's lives. And if God's goal for us is to become more and more like him, then we can't do that if we don't know his heart and we're not applying his word in our lives. And so one of the things that we've, we've done, one of the decisions that, that we've made to kind of help you during this kind of weird season when we're feeling kind of disconnected is, is uh, um, we're offering you uh, today um, an online kind of Bible study. It's kind of like the Christian Netflix. Over 20,000 videos that, um, that you can watch that can help you to be able to grow spiritually in your relationship with the Lord. It's got stuff in there to help with worry and anxiety, stuff to help with, with addiction, stuff for kids, stuff for teens, and and. And we want to invest that into you. And, and most of these kind of Netflix, Hulu type stuff, you know, you're paying 20 bucks a month or so to be able to have access to it. And, and, and we've done the investment on our side and we're just wanting to give that to you for free just as a resource, as a tool for you to, to help you to be able to place a value on your relationship with the Lord and getting in the word. And we're going to use that with um, uh, our small groups as we begin to open up. And so so here's, here's the thing that if you call Evangel Church your home, then you will have gotten an email in your inbox um, within the last 24 hours. And it's going to come from Right Now Media, and all you're going to have to do is click on it, and it'll have you set up your password, and then you'll have access, and you can download the app. And I mean, it's amazing. It's got all kinds of, of just amazing stuff that's in there. It looks, the dashboard is a lot like Netflix. It's got the pictures of all the different studies and all the, the different things. And, and listen, if you don't get the email, one of two things has happened. Either there, we have a typo in your email address and it went to the wrong place, um, or maybe an email has changed or we don't have your email. And so you can contact us at the church. You can email us at mail at evangelag.org. That's mail at evangelag.org. And um, we'll send you a link to that to get started. It's just a, a resource that we want to invest in your life uh, to help you through this difficult season so you can continue to grow and experience all that God has for you. Well, let me, would you bow your head, close your eyes this morning. I just wanna pray before Wes comes back out. Father, we thank you, Lord, for just all that you're doing in our lives. God, we know that growing is difficult. Lord, it's difficult to lean into those seasons when we're getting pruned, but Lord, we have hope and confidence in this, is that you use those seasons 
to bring more fruitfulness in our lives. And so, Lord, today, help us to place a value on growing. Help us to place a value. Help us to be able to identify areas in our life. Maybe there's some areas that you're calling us to cut out, or maybe there's some areas that you're calling us to add to. But, Lord, I pray in this moment that your sweet Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would never get satisfied with the status quo, that we would never stop peddling. But Father, we would recognize that you've got a great plan for us. That as long as we continue to move forward, as long as we continue to trust in you, that Father, you'll bring it to pass. The Lord, just as Wes had mentioned after worship and his verse about promises, Lord, your word says that your promises do not return void. That's what you say, that they don't return void. The Lord, they will come to pass. So Lord, give us the courage to align our lives so that we can experience your absolute best in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.